welcome everybody to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast or the Office Podcast. Well, Office Podcast is probably taken. We're in the office of my basement at home in Urbandale, and it is a lot nicer day today than it was for the past two days, where it was just rainy, cold, cloudy, all the bad things you could possibly think of when it comes to weather. And right now, here in the beautiful city of Urbandale, Iowa, it is 48 degrees, high is 62, a little bit later. Uh, It's sunny right now. It looks very nice outside right now. I have not been outside yet. It is 9.08 right now. I'm doing the show a little bit earlier today, one, because I don't have class to do today, which is a big win. So we're almost done with the semester, as we said on Monday, and the, the upload time is taking forever so if I get this show done by sometime around 11 today I'll see that as an absolute win because I'm not wait I hate waiting around till five o'clock to post the podcast which is when it uploads finally either Spotify or SoundCloud they just take forever and I'll explain this real quick when I got done with the show on Monday so here's my what I do usually after a show I go to my website my rss website i believe that's what it is and that's where you upload your podcasts to rss.com you link that to your spotify account if you want to make a podcast so there's a little uh hint for you if you ever want to make a spotify account if you didn't know how to do that so i go my rss account put all the information in put the title put the description uh whatever episode number this is and i put the actual podcast so the show is always usually has been for its entire history around two hours long so you know it's going to take a little bit a little while to take to get it uploaded so it was going super slow i was just looking at my phone it got up to 30 percent, and i was like uh okay well i'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick i'll come back and then i'll get the spotify account loaded up and then i'll go take a shower because i hadn't taken a shower yet because i had my online class right before that and I woke up like right before the online class so I just sat there with a baseball hat on and watched the zoom meeting and did the class thing so I was like I'm just gonna do this right after I'm just gonna do the show right after the class I'll shower later I come back downstairs and my computer's locked on me so what does that mean the RSS thing completely restarted it was at 80 percent and then it just restarted and I had to redo it all over again which is not a short thing. It does. It takes a long time for those to get uploaded. Here, I back up at Cedar Falls after a show on KULT, I would upload that thing to the RSS account or my Spotify account, and it would go upload like that. I think it's just because of the university's Wi-Fi. I would do it in the studio, and I'd just be cleaning up after a show or something, and then poof, it's already uploaded. And I'm like, sweet. Now I can just walk home and then post it once I get to the house. It worked like magic every single time. It worked consistently. It was awesome. It was just perfect. It was a perfect way to do that. Here, I don't know what it is, but, well, actually, I do know what it is, but our Wi-Fi here at the house has gone to to the toilet, pretty much, a clogged toilet. It has absolutely clogged the toilet. It's overflowing, and now we're going to have to get new floors because the toilet water completely ruined the floor that was below. And for some reason, it's a carpeted bathroom, which are those weird bathrooms. I don't see a lot of those anymore, but if you have a carpeted bathroom, 
get get some stuff figured out. You got some more life problems. Get that stuff figured out. So now your carpet and your bathroom's all soggy, and it looks disgusting, and it crusts over, so now it's hard. It's like you basically got a hardwood floor in your bathroom, but no, psych, it's carpet. So that, it sucks. So we have had terrible Wi-Fi ever since we've been back from Cedar Falls. I came back for Easter and been stuck at home ever since. And now we're doing the podcast here in the basement. And this is show number 60. So hopefully, the good gracious Wi-Fi will upload it faster today. I do not expect it to be out any later than 1 o'clock today. If it's later than 1, something went terribly wrong. So let's just hope it doesn't happen like that. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening. It's 9.13 right now. So we're just we're going early. We don't have an online class to do today and don't have one for a while. We have an online class to take in May, but that doesn't start till I think the 11th. So we got about five days to do that. So here we are starting the show a lot early. This is the earliest the Logan Blackman show has ever been. We have never been earlier than 11. We've always 11 has been the earliest time. We've been 11 to 1, 12 to 2. Uh, what did we do at KULT? I think we did 11 to 1 there, too. So it's always been around 11 to 1. I did 1 to 3, I think, was the time. Yeah, 1 o'clock to 3 was the time my second semester, my junior year, I believe. Or my first semester, my junior year. I can't remember which one it was. But we there was a time where we were 1 to 3. And it's gone smoothly, so let's just hope this one goes super smoothly today as well. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We got some NFL stuff to talk about. The NFL schedule is getting released tomorrow. So we'll go through each division and do some weird prediction things. We got some NFL 2021 draft stuff to talk about, which takes place next year in Cleveland, April 29th through May 1st. So stay tuned for that next year. We got a whole blown year or less than a year now till the next draft. We got some players I want to talk about and some teams that could be drafting a certain position. We also got an awesome, awesome Colin Coward take to digest for you on the Basement Podcast today on this beautiful May 6th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But before we dive into that stuff, we got some big news coming out this morning. So if you've been following this uh, for whatever time, you've known that sports have not really been a thing for a few months now. I think we're on like day 55 or something without sports or something like that with live sports. And we got an update today that the Turkish Superliga is restarting in June. So there's another positive thing. Remember we talked about this on Monday, how the Liga is getting back to practices in June. So training sessions will start again. So we're all expecting this stuff to come back in June, sports to come back in June. Well, we got an even bigger bomb dropped on us today. The Bundesliga, one of the top five leagues in the world, is now starting up in the second half of May. They were trying to push it up to May 22nd of this year, but it had been reverted, and now the update decision now brought it, bringing it back to May 15th. So the second half of May, in a few, like, in less than 10 days, we will have 
some ladder sports in the Bundesliga. If you never watched the Bundesliga, it's a very, very fun league to watch. It's very top-heavy, though. It's not like the Premier League where you can see a lot of the lower teams beat some of the better teams. The Premier League right now is very top-heavy, but throughout the history of the Premier League, especially in the 2010s area, era, you see the some bad teams can upset the bigger teams. You don't really see that in the Bundesliga or La Liga in Spain or Serie A in Italy. You don't really see that. It's all of like Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico sometimes in La Liga, Bayern, Borussia Dortmund, and now RB Leipzig in, Bundes, in the Bundesliga, and then Juventus and Lazio in Serie A now. But right now in England, it's not. I shouldn't really be talking that much about how they're not really competitive because Liverpool is running away with the league, and they better restart the league because they can't just give Liverpool the title straight up. They can't end leagues now. That they can't that can't happen, and I've ex- I think I've explained this before on the show, but if I haven't, here's what I'll go through this again. So, if for those of you who are going like, oh, they should just end the league and give Liverpool the title, or whoever's that far ahead should give the teams the title. Well, that's fine, and Liverpool may very well have already locked the title up, but if they just X the season together altogether, the teams that are stuck in the bottom for the bottom three parts in the league are getting relegated. And that's the beauty of late season drama, the great escapes. You see Leicester City do it the year before they won the title. You see Sunderland did that for years, and now they're stuck in League One because they just couldn't take the fight anymore. Sunderland till I die, am I right? No. But that's the beauty of that. So if you just end the season now, which they're not going to do, because as you see, the Bundesliga, La Liga, the Turkish League are all coming back. But if you just ended it, those teams go down without a whimper. There was also some talks that they just go through the season without having the promotion relegation thing, which would be upsetting for the championship fans of like Leeds United, who haven't been in the Premier League in like 20 years or something. So it's been a while since they've been up. So they would like their chance to get back in the Premier League. And they always like to choke it sometime throughout the, if they go to the playoffs in the championship, they always somehow find a way to lose. <laughs> but if they get the top two spots, they're guaranteed promotion, which is what Leeds fans really want. My old soccer coach from JUSC were Leeds United fans because our soccer teams, for Premier, we had a Leeds team and a United team, the Leeds team being the best team. And, of course, yours truly was on the Leeds team. And we got, we stopped getting invited to the Minnesota tournament up in Blaine because we kept winning the thing. We were just too dominant. And yeah, but yeah, that's, you can't end the season now, which is why I'm really happy. All these leagues are starting to come back. I haven't heard an update on the premier league on when they're starting to come back. Liverpool may well have the title wrapped up, but there's always that slim chance that they choke it away, which is very unlikely to happen. They lost one game the entire season to Watford. So it's very unlikely to happen, but nonetheless can still happen. Stranger things have happened. In the world of sports. The promotion relegation battles are always big as well. So you can't just demote these teams right now. Because they're going to be upset if you just end the league now. It's not fun. And the team that's sitting one point above a team in the relegation zone is thanking their lucky stars there in the Premier League. There's also teams that it affects in the mid-table of the Premier League and other leagues around the world. Because... So you obviously affects the winners. It affects the three losers in each league. 
but it also affects the mid-table teams because they're battling for European spots. Like, if you look at the Premier, Premier League, certain number, each league, let's just go to each league. Certain leagues have a number of Champions League spots, some more than others, and then the rest go to the Europa League. So as we stand right now, certain teams will not be in the Europa League. And they're one game, they played one game less than another team. But if they won that game, then they would be above the team that they're one game less than. So let's just go, let's just pretend that we have a team sitting here on what? 47 points right now. This is hypothetical. This isn't a real thing. So there, oh, it might be, I'm not looking at anything. So is it, it could be a real thing. And you have one team sitting at 46 points. So we have 47, 46 points. Team with 47 points has played 22 games this year. Team of 46 points played 21 games this year. That's not exact math. That could be very, that might not even be possible, but we're doing it anyways. If they were to win or tie that game, team of 21 games and 46 points, and they have a better goal differential, they would move on to the Europa League or Champions League, wherever they want to put them. But since if we end the league here, they're playing with that one game gone. So they're not going to get a chance to play, even though they played one less game than the team above them. And I heard some stupid people. This was when it first started. Everything started getting canceled about, oh, we got to end the league. People were like, well, let's take the game off of the one person. Well, why would you do that? They could just pick what game to choose. Like, oh, we're going to take one where we lost and it doesn't affect us at all. Like, you cannot end the leagues now. So I'm very excited that all these leagues are coming back. Bundesliga, again, coming back in the second half of May. So stay tuned for that. And also the Turkish League coming back in June. And La Liga starting up training sessions in June as well. So we will have soccer or football, whatever you want to have. Whatever you want to call it, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be sweet. Live sports is coming up close. And speaking of live sports, we got do we we do have sports on right now. We do have sports on right now. Live sports. So not, I'm not counting the last dance or replays of all these different sporting events, which, by the way, this is a very random tidbit. I saw this on the news last night. Channel 13 will be replaying the Iowa versus Georgia Tech Orange Bowl at 11 o'clock on Sunday. So if you want to watch, rewatch one of the greatest games in Iowa Hawkeye football history, some of the greatest quotes, some of the greatest moments in Iowa history, I would recommend watching that game. If you don't remember watching that game or if you're too young or too old and you just don't remember it, I'd watch it again. Now, of course, this is in the central Iowa area. I don't know what they're going to be doing. If they're doing that for outside of the central Iowa area or anything like that, but that's one of the best games I've ever watched in my entire life. And like typical Iowa fashion, <laughs> they had that great year, expectations placed on them the next year, and they went back to average, which sucks, but they had that one great year. And if Ricky Stanzi, I think every Hawkeye fan stands by this, if Ricky Stanzi did not get hurt, they are going to the national championship game. Because if you think about it, they lost to Northwestern, Ricky Stanzi got hurt, James Vandenberg comes in. Then they go to Ohio State, James Vandenberg plays in his first ever college start, plays against Ohio State at the horseshoe. 
does not have a great game, but when we watched the game live, it's like, man, he's playing very, very good. He threw like five interceptions or something. If Ricky Stanzi is in that game, the Hawkeyes go undefeated. If Ricky Stanzi plays against Ohio State and finishes the game against Northwestern, the Hawks go undefeated. The game against Minnesota, don't care about. Ricky Stanzi didn't play that one, but it was against Minnesota, and Iowa didn't really need to do a lot to win that game. But man, go watch that game. Great game. Orange Bowl versus Georgia Tech. The option versus Iowa. Stanzi, Adam Robinson, Brandon Wager had a great game that game. DJK, Marvin McNutt, Tony Moyaki, Adrian Claiborne. Like, just the list goes on and on and on. Go and watch that game. It was an awesome atmosphere, awesome game. But we're done talking about that. Because that was just a little random story that we're having this Sunday. So if you want to go watch it, watch it. But back to the live sports. We do have live sports on. So you don't need to relive past glories if you don't want to. You can go on. And just watch. Or wait, was Tony Moyaki even on that team? <laughs> now I'm having second thoughts about Tony Moyaki on the team. But never, I don't, I don't, I'm, I can't remember if he was or not. Wow. This is a bad look on my part. But we've got baseball. We haven't heard anything about when Major League Baseball is coming back. So this is not that type of baseball. But KBO, the KBO League is alive and strong. And we've had games going on for the past few days live sports go back to the first game first set of games hunwa bsk three to nothing the nc dinos who man we were talking about this on monday how spencer chose the nc dinos and then we were going back and forth talking trash myself spencer and noah noah's an lg twins fan which the twins did get better get the better of my Doosan bears eight to two in their first game of the season but the Dinos are like the, the favorite by everybody. Dinos have the coolest mascot ever, Swole Daddy. That is the greatest mascot name of all time. I messaged Spencer and Noah later that day. I was like, man, I think I chose the wrong team. <laughs> when I first saw Swole Daddy pop up on my thing, I was like, I, uh, why did I choose the Bears? My dog's name is Bear. And I thought Deuce was funny because that's like poop and stuff. <laughs> LOL. But the NC Dinos, man, that's a squad. But I wanted to do something different because we were all DC Defenders fans. Cardell Jones was the quarterback. I, I chose the DC Defender. I remember when we were first looking at it. I chose the Defenders because of their quarterback. I loved Cardell Jones and I liked Tyree, ja Tyree Jackson. Played at Buffalo. Played for the Bills for a little bit. All the other quarterbacks I didn't really care about around the league. Uh, at the time, it looked like Houston's quarterback was going to be Connor Cook. So I was like, I'm staying far away from that. I like Josh Johnson, so I almost chose Sandy or Los Angeles. But I went with the defenders because their uniforms were the coolest. The NC Dinos, we all went separate ways. Noah went the Twins. I went with the Bears. Spencer went with the Dinos. I almost chose the Dinos. I was like, I want to do something different. Now I regret that decision. They beat Samsung 4 to nothing. Kiwoom beat Kia 11-2, Lope beat KT 7-2, and the LG Twins, as I already said, beat my Doosan Bears 8-2, but the Bears got the better of the Twins today, 5-2 over the Bears with a 5-run third inning to just shut the game out early, NC Dinos beat Samsung 4-3, today Lope beat KT 9-4, 
Kiwom beat Kia 3-2, and SK beat Hanwa 5-2. So we had some revenge games going on this week. We had Doosan beating LG. We had SK beating Hanwa. So it was just a good revenge day. We got some games taking place tomorrow. Doosan and LG going for the trifecta of games. 4.30 if you want to watch the game tomorrow. A lot of all of the games are at 4.30 tomorrow, so just choose your one that you want to watch. And then we got LG Twins versus the NC Dinos on Friday. My Doosan Bears will be playing KT on Friday as well. I don't even know what KT stands for. Does anybody know what KT stands for? They're 0-2 on the season and got beat 9-4 and 7-2 in their first two games. So, I'm feeling pretty confident to say the least, but I'm not going to overlook them. I'm not going to overlook them because the overlooking opponents is bad. Because if you overlook somebody, you're liable to slip up and lose. So, we're not going to overlook KT. Doosan, we might have won the league last year, but we're not going to overlook anybody especially someone as bad as kt because lg has been a tough pesky team for us to play we play in the same stadium so gotta keep going after them the nc dinos are looking very very solid right now that might be they're good or samsung's just not that good they've won by a combined score of eight to three so we'll see if they can continue that stretch come tomorrow playing samsung for the trifecta and that one and deuce on again against lg tomorrow at four 13. So there's all your sports that are going on outside the realms of football. Kind of crazy to think about. Outside the realm of football, there are sports going on, live sports. I mean, the time difference is not great. I will say that. Watching a game at 4.30 in the morning is not really great. Get very tired unless you're sleeping during the day and then wake up and you're a night owl. Or you're one of those vampire people that thinks they're a vampire. or va- People that think they're a vampire. Not those vampire thing people that think they're a vampire. They are vampires. So they sleep during the day. Sun hurts them. And they stay up at night. So they're probably doing that to watch some KBO baseball. To watch the Doosan Bears take on everybody. To kill all challengers with a Care Bear stare. So, yeah. That's what we're doing right now but I, I was scrolling on Twitter and we brought this up a little bit on Monday about if Jameis Winston was playing back in the day or if you brought Peyton Manning up to today and he was a second third year fifth year quarterback like Jameis would Peyton have had the same amount of leash that Jameis has had like that short Jameis signed a tiny contract to be a backup on the Saints a minuscule contract, one year, $1.1 million compared to a lot of other backups like Mariota, the Andy Dalton deal, Cooper Rush, like Cooper Rush, speaking of, got released by the Cowboys, signed with the New York Giants today. That's a tiny contract. And there's some that popped up on Twitter a little bit ago. This is Peyton Manning's 2001 season, Jameis's 2019 season, age 25, record, Peyton was 6-10. and 10. Jameis was 7-9. Yards per game, Jameis 319. Peyton 258. Touchdowns per game, Jameis 2, around 2.1. Peyton 1.6. Interceptions a game, 1.9 for Jameis, 1.4 for Peyton. And quarterback rating, 84.3 for Jameis, 84.1 for Peyton. Now, 
A lot of you can sit there and say this as well. This is Jameis's fifth year or sixth year now. What is it? He's got it's sixth year, I think. This was Peyton's like third year. So you can use that as an excuse for this. Or not an excuse, but uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Because you can there's a difference. If you're still doing it your sixth year, it's kind of like, why are you still doing this? Or fifth year, whatever he's on right now. I don't, fifth year, sixth year, I don't really care. But would have Peyton, would Peyton have had the same amount of rope as Jameis? Or would have it had been the same as it was back then than would it be right now? Because it took a little bit for Peyton to get going. He holds the records for interceptions thrown by a rookie in a season. But he can also go. He was forced in place because he didn't have any weapons on the outside. And then he could say that for Jameis as well. So I don't know. I feel a little bit hard. I feel a little bit bad for Jameis. I think the Buccaneers are get better with Tom Brady. But I think Jameis got he got a little short deal by the Saints with a one million dollar deal. It's like. How can the Saints not, if he is agreeing to that, we got to sign him right away. And Jameis is learning from one of the least turnover happy quarterbacks in the NFL ever in Drew Brees. So I think that can work out very well for him. But next year, he's going to have a little bit of a quarterback battle with Jameis, with uh, Taysom Hill, it looks like. A lot of people really like Taysom Hill in New Orleans. New Orleans apparently really likes Taysom Hill. Again, Taysom Hill is almost 30 years old, which is weird to think about, but he is almost 30. Jameis is 25, going on 26. So, what will the quarterback battle look like next year? If you want a pure thrower, Jameis is your guy. If you want an all-around athlete, then Taysom Hill is your guy. But again, Taysom Hill has less passing yards in his career than LaDainian Tomlinson, who, for those of you who don't know, was a running back, not a quarterback. So, I don't know. In the comparisons to Lamar Jackson, we brought this up before. Lamar Jackson went in when Joe Flacco got hurt. When Drew Brees got hurt, Teddy Bridgewater went in, not Taysom Hill. That could just be a testament how good Teddy Bridgewater is, and he is good. Teddy Bridgewater is a very solid quarterback. But do the Saints really have that much faith in Taysom Hill, or is it all just a big smoke tree? Who will be the starter for the Saints next year? I just assumed... Going into this season, because we did the backup rankings the other day, and Chris Sims and Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk did their backup rankings the other day as well. I think it was Chris Sims. I think he usually has the top pick in the their little game thing that they always do. He picked Taysom Hill. Now I didn't. I don't know if Taysom Hill is the backup. Is Jace is J- Jameis Winston the backup, or is Taysom Hill the backup? They may like Taysom Hill, but would they put him in if Drew Brees gets hurt again? They didn't do that last year. And if you're talking about arm talent, Jameis is your guy. But do they trust Jameis over Taysom Hill? I don't know. So that's why I was... I didn't... They also put Nick Foles on there. I didn't include Nick Foles on my list because I don't know if he's going to be the starter or the backup going into this season. If he was in Philly, easily number one backup in the league. But since we don't know if he's going to go in as a starter or not, because, again, Matt Nagy has little to no confidence in Trubisky, it looks like, and Nick Foles worked with Matt Nagy, and it looks like to be brought in to be the starter for the Chicago Bears. They're declining Trubisky's fifth-year option. 
at least push Trubisky is what it's looking like they're doing. Which we, we said they were going to do that the entire offseason and even during the season because they're not just going to give up on Trubisky like that. They're going to get a guy in that can push Trubisky a little bit like a Ryan Tannehill did to Marcus Mariota eventually push him out the door. So what will happen here? We'll have to wait and see. But again, didn't put Nick Foles on the list because I don't know if he's the backup or if he's the starter. And I didn't put Taysom Hill on the list because I assumed Jameis Winston was the backup in New Orleans. But apparently they love themselves some Taysom Hill. Now, if we went up and Googled New Orleans Saint depth chart again, this is not official because it's going to be on some random website. But let's just check it out, just see what it is. This is on ourlads.com, which usually they're pretty up to date with their depth charts. And on their thing right now, okay, they do have Taysom Hill as the backup over Drew Brees or over Jameis Winston. So if we're looking at it like that, I would put Taysom Hill higher on the list. Which makes sense. Now that I think about it, if I would put Taysom Hill higher on the list, then why did I? So yeah, I think that's what I would do. I would put Taysom Hill number one now. Because if he is the backup, which according to this website he is, then that's what we're going to do. Have him as the number one backup in the league, which I believe he is now. I'll put Robert Griffin or Andy Dalton the number two or three. And then I had Mariota on there. And then I had Jacoby Brissett on there as well. So... Yeah, I would. I, I like that adjusted list. I'm glad I didn't post anything because if I did, someone would have been commenting how is Taysom, Taysom Hill's the backup over Jameis Winston. So I'm glad I didn't post anything about that. I just assumed that. But if they love Taysom Hill like it looks like they do, then they'll go in with Taysom Hill as the backup and eventually replace Drew Brees. I had them drafting Jordan Love this year because I didn't really know what their plans were. Taysom Hill, again, is 30 years old. He's going to be 30 in August. He's not going to be your franchise guy for that long. When he was a starter at BYU, I'll just do this. Taysom Hill was an absolute beast at, a, at BYU. His only problem was he got hurt all the time. Now he's managed to stay relatively healthy in the NFL, mostly because of him not playing as much, obviously. But he got hurt a lot at BYU. He's always a beast at BYU. Go look at some Taysom Hill BYU highlights if you don't know what I'm talking about with Taysom Hill playing for BYU. But he got hurt a lot. That was his problem. Now he's going on 30. Is this the best move for the New Orleans Saints going forward? Or would you rather have Jameis Winston be your star? Or would you draft a quarterback going into next year? Again, I thought Jordan Love would be a nice fit for the Saints, be a nice quarterback to learn under Drew Brees for Jordan Love, much like Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. Drew Brees is retiring at the end of this year. He's already signed a deal with NBC. So now we got to think about who the starter for the New Orleans Saints will be next year. It looks like it's Taysom Hill, but is that just a smoke screen? Is Jameis Winston going to be the starter, or are they going to draft somebody? I'll post a poll on Twitter a little bit later today, or I'll do it when I take a break next, which I don't know when that will be, but we'll have to see what what the future holds for Jameis. Talent, yeah. Led the league in passing yards last year. Did like 34 touchdowns. But those numbers are nice. If you look at it like that. Touchdowns, yards, perfect. Love it. 
interceptions, 30 interceptions, and the last throw he made of the season was a pick six. Like, yeah, it's... He's got LASIK, though, so he can see now. He can finally read stop sign or read license plates, which is something you should probably have done when you were a rookie or something like that if you found out you had this problem. Not your fifth year in the NFL. But we'll see what the future holds for Jameis. He might still be a starter in the NFL. He might be New Orleans Saints' new starter after this. But we'll have to wait and see. Again, Drew Brees is going to be a good quarterback for him to learn under. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. That is very good for Jameis Winston. Much like Jordan Love up in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, I think, historically has the best touchdown-to-interception ratio in NFL history. I don't know if that's 100% right, so somebody could fact-check me on that and then yell it to my face that I was wrong and I'm an idiot. But, again, I, I'm guessing because I know he doesn't have a lot of interceptions. He has, I know he has less interceptions in his career than Jameis does which is weird because he's been playing since 2005. But Jordan Love has got a very good quarterback to learn from, and as it looks like, Aaron Rodgers is not taking this as hard as the media is making it out to be. So we'll see how that relationship works out in Green Bay. They're very similar style quarterbacks, Love and Aaron Rodgers. Love just forced the ball too much through 17 interceptions last year at college. When we did our live draft thing, I said either New Orleans or Green Bay would take Jordan Love. He went to Jordan. He went to Green Bay. I had Jordan Love going to the Saints in my mock draft, but I also had George, Justin Herbert going to the Patriots. Which, believe it or not, that still pisses me off that I had that George, Justin Herbert falling to the Patriots at fourteen. That pisses me off to my core. How why I had that pick? Because one. The Chargers weren't going to go in the season. What just my gut was, the Chargers were going to take a tackle and take Jalen Hurts in the second round. That's what my gut feeling was telling me. But they weren't going to pass on Justin Herbert. That's just me being stupid. It's me being very, very, very stupid. And the Patriots trading up is being very, 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 very stupid again because the Patriots never trade up in the draft. They always trade out of the first round. In the draft that I had prior to releasing Mock Draft 5.0, I had the Patriots trading back with the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens selecting Kenneth Murray, which Kenneth Murray went 23rd, but would have been to the wrong team. But that was what my gut was telling me. I had them taking Cole Komet, who went later in the second round. They went with Dugar, the safety slash linebacker for the Manoa Ryan. But that pisses me off so much. That ticks me off to my core that I had the New England Pages trading up to get a quarterback. They never trade up. And Justin Herbert was not going to fall outside the top 10. So that's just me being a complete and total idiot. Complete and total idiot right there. If I could go back and redo it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because I hate looking at that mock draft because I hate the fact that I had the New England Patriots taking Justin Herbert. Hate it. I didn't even think they were really going to take a quarterback. So I think it even said that they liked Jarrett Stidham. I honestly didn't think they were going to take a quarterback. But Justin Herbert started falling, which for some reason I had that. Patriots are going to pounce on that. So they looked like they liked Justin Herbert. But honestly, why did I do that? That ticks me off still to this day. Makes me upset. Man. Whatever. We'll see how Justin Herbert does in Los Angeles, had all the other Oregon quarterbacks 
that have been drafted. And this Oregon has a bad history of quarterbacks getting drafted in the NFL. Other than Dan Fouts, which was 30, 40 years ago when he got drafted, the Oregon Ducks and their quarterback history of getting drafted is atrocious. Look at Achilles Smith with the Bengals. You look at Joey Harrington with the Lions. You look at Marcus Mariota with the Titans. Like, they were terrible NFL quarterbacks. But the thing that is very nice for Justin Herbert is the fact that he has the best team out of all those other Oregon quarterbacks. The Chargers winning five games last year was an absolute fluke. Phillip Rivers was past it, was making a lot of bad throws, offensive line was garbage, and the defense was just riddled with injuries. That team will not go 5-11 and 11 again. Justin Herbert has the best chance to succeed earlier than the other quarterbacks because of the weapons he has outside, the much-improved offensive line by getting Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. So the right side of the O-line is completely rejuvenated. Austin Eckler is your main back, and also Justin Jackson's there as well from Northwestern. Very good one-two punt. Hunter Henry's there. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are still there. Your offense is loaded for Justin Herbert and currently Tyrod Taylor. So Justin Herbert, compared to all those other Oregon quarterbacks, has the best chance to succeed because the Titans were not a great team. They're an average team. The Lions were atrocious, and the Bengals were atrocious. It's bad how bad the Bengals teams were at that time. Keely Smith was just a product of his environment at that point. He couldn't really do anything with that Bengals roster. But Justin Herbert has a chance to succeed and buck the trend that Oregon quarterbacks cannot play in the NFL or be long-term successful starters. Because I guess you have Kellen Clemens in there as well, who had some good success in the NFL as a backer for like the Jets, the Rams, among some other teams in there. Had some success as a backup. And the Chargers. I forgot he played for the Chargers. So hopefully, for Justin Herbert's sake, grew up a Chargers fan, which makes me upset even more that he grew up a Chargers fan because that makes it even more obvious that he's going to get drafted by the Chargers. Because I didn't think the Dolphins would take him. I thought the Dolphins were dead set on Tua, which they were because they took him. But yeah, Justin Herbert, again, compared to all the other Oregon quarterbacks, has a chance to, to succeed. So we'll see how he does. He won't start this year. Chargers are not going to force him into a starting job. But Tyrod, much like his situation in Cleveland, got hurt. Baker came in, never saw the field the rest of the season. Could that happen again? I don't know. Chargers have, again, Chargers have a much better team than that Browns team who was come fresh off of winning no games the season before. So this Chargers team will be better this year. It will be pushing a playoff spot this team's too talented to go five and 11 again it's not happening if it does i will go crazy i cannot see that happening i think herbert's gonna have some success in his time in la and for the other quarterbacks in the draft we have our last first rounder to reveal their numbers so we obviously talked about joe burrow wearing nine herbert wearing 10 jordan love wearing 10 and now Tua Tagovailoa has chosen his rookie number. We went through a bunch of different options here. We did one, five, eight, nine. Um, what other numbers? Seventy-eight, ninety-nine, <laughs> just for fun. 
and he rock he will rock the number one jersey for the Miami Dolphins. He put about he put this on his Twitter last night and said for the audience of one. And for those of you who know, Tua is a very religious man, so the audience of one is the Lord Jesus. So he'll be rocking number one. I'm not a huge fan of the number one. I've never really been a huge fan of it. Like you look at Kyler Murray wears number one, Warren Moon wore number one, and now Tua is wearing number one. Jeff George wore number one in Atlanta. Like it's just a weird number. I just I'm not a fan of number one for quarterbacks. I don't I don't know why. It's just I'm not a fan of it. But whatever. Sometimes it's gonna get me a while to look at Tua wearing number one because I'm so used to wearing wearing number thirteen. So. I mean, it makes sense he wore number one because it was available. Five was not available because that was Jake Rudock's number. And Jake Rudock is going to stand by him wearing that number. But Tua, we're number one for the Miami Dolphins. Those number one jerseys in the Miami area or even outside the Miami area will be selling like hotcakes. And hopefully, the Dolphins go back to just wearing their retro uniforms or their old uniforms because those are the way better uniforms than what they have currently way better uniforms than what they have currently stupid Malcolm Perry former Navy quarterback will wear number 10 for the Miami Dolphins he'll probably play some wide receiver or running back spot for the Dolphins in his time there but the Dolphins might be a little bit of a threat this year maybe 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 they were not a good team last year. Their offense is slowly improving. Got much better on the offensive line, getting Austin Jackson and then Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette, I believe, as well, from the, the guard. Yeah, in the second round, which is what they were targeting, it looked like, in the draft. A lot of people had them going quarterback, tackle, guard, but Cesar Ruiz obviously went number 24 to the New Orleans Saints, who slotted in to play guard for the Saints coming in this season. So look, that's what the Dolphins were looking to do, and they did that in the second round by getting Hunt. And they're looking a lot better going into the season. Brian Flores looks like one of those rare coaches that actually looks like he'll actually succeed outside of the nest, the New England Patriots Bill Belichick nest. Not a lot of coaches do in the NFL. Matt Patricia is a prime example of that. Sitting there in Detroit with the worst defense in the NFL as a defensive head coach. It's not really a good look for you, Matt. Sorry. But Brian Flores looks like he could be that first guy to have success outside of Bill Belichick in the NFL. It's not a lot of coaches do. He might be the first. And he's building something nice. Got Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy from the New England Patriots. Got their quarterback in Tua. He's got that it factor. Tua might be have those injuries. But he has that it factor. He is an absolute beast and will have great success or some success in the Dolphins because we don't want to have too good of success in Miami, obviously. But they're slowly building something. They got some running backs, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, a little thunder and lightning action down there in Miami with much improved on their situation from last year. I think Patrick Laird was their starting running back towards the end of the season. Because they traded away Kenyon Drake, and then they had their other running back get suspended, and then another one get injured, I think, and then Laird had to start. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, we've talked about this numerous times, led the Dolphins in rushing yards last year. That should never be a thing. <laughs> that should never 
ever be a thing. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick should never lead anybody in rushing yards. Hopefully he doesn't this year because you got Breda and you got another solid running back at Jordan Howard, which I wanted the Bills to go after Jordan Howard, get a thunder and lightning action with Devin Singletary. But I love the Zach Moss pick as well in the third round. Dolphins are slowly improving, and Tua, much like Justin Herbert, doesn't have to play to start his career. Even if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt, and right now, our lads, like I said with the New Orleans Saints thing, list Tua as the backup to Ryan Fitzpatrick over Josh Rosen. But I think to fully get Tua healthy, you could just have Rosen as the backup. And he doesn't even need to go into the next season as a starter. Just so Tua can just stay healthy. Get healthy. Fully healthy. I know his hip injury is overwhelmingly positive. Jeez. His diagnosis from his hip injury is overwhelmingly positive. But I still think Rosen, if something happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick, should go in just to rest Tua. Tua's the better quarterback. We know this. Tua's the better quarterback out of the pair. So it won't be like a permanent thing like, oh, man. Josh Rosen's going in, and what's Tua's future look like? It's not going to be one of those situations. What it should be is just a safety net so Tua doesn't go out and hurt himself. Again, I think Josh Rosen could still have a future in the NFL. I just think he needs some stability. He got stuck with the Cardinals, then he came to Miami, and the offensive line got traded away right before his eyes. Same thing with Arizona. Had the worst offensive line in the league. Back-to-back years, Rosen had the worst offensive line in the league. He's not as mobile as Ryan Fitzpatrick, not as durable as Fitzpatrick, which is why Fitzpatrick had more success in that system. And Fitzpatrick has played for some bad teams throughout his career. But everybody loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even No matter what team he's on, I will always love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jets, Dolphins, don't care. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. My dad will say the exact same thing. Love him. So we'll see what their plans are for Tua this year. Much like Justin Herbert coasted out for their rookie year. Don't throw him into the fire like the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow will be the day one starter in Cincy. Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love, you guys are fine. Same with all the other quarterbacks in the draft. I think the second one to play will probably be Jalen Hurts. Not start, but play. Out of all the quarterbacks in the draft, Burrow's going to start day one. I think Hurts will come in at some point during the first game of the season for the Eagles. Not start, but do their Taysom Hill package, run the two-quarterback system, whatever you want to do, in Philadelphia. And Max Hellerman came on yesterday on first take. It might have been two days ago. I can't remember. But the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts is worse than the Packers drafting Jordan Love, and I don't agree with that at all. The Packers are planning for their future with Jordan Love. Which is what I get with that whole situation. A lot of Packers fans are very upset with the pick. Upset for Aaron Rodgers. Not really upset about... Because Jordan Love could very well be a great quarterback in the NFL. Very similar skill set to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be his quote-unquote mentor while he's in Green Bay. And now we're going in with Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. The difference between the pair... The Packers did not tell Rodgers they were drafting Jordan Love. The Eagles told Carson Wentz they were drafting Jalen Hurts. The Packers went after Aaron Rodgers, did not draft a wide receiver at all, basically saying, we run this, not you. The Eagles still got help for Carson Wentz going into the season. 
Jalen Rager, if he improves his hands, could be a very valuable option out wide for the Eagles. But right now, could just be another Nelson Aguilar. But could also not be one. The Eagles have announced their plans with Jalen Hurts. The Packers have announced their plans with Aaron with uh, Jordan Love. The Packers have come out and said, Jordan Love is the future. The Eagles have come out and said, we're going to do a Taysom Hill-style offense. Those are different things. We're not looking ahead in Philly. We're at the here and now, and Jalen Hurts is going to help us win in different situations. Jordan Love is there to replace Aaron Rodgers. Jalen Hurts is not there to replace Carson Wentz. The Eagles have been very adamant about that, about how we are married to Carson Wentz, is what they basically have said. The Packers have not come out and ever really said anything about Aaron Rodgers, other than we don't think this guy is going to be here. Because there have been reports that they feel like Jordan Love is like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers will be on the move next year. That is what it looks like. According to reports, Aaron Rodgers will be on the move next year. They visualize this as a Patrick Mahomes type situation. From what the reports are saying, this isn't coming from just me. This isn't me making up something. It's what it sounds like. This is what reports are saying. One year thing with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers is what it looks like. So this is where Aaron Rodgers, the New England Patriots, looks very, very scary. So no, I do not think the Jalen Hurts getting drafted by the Eagles is worse than Jordan Love getting drafted by the Packers. For Packers fans and Aaron Rodgers, if you want to talk about challenging and replacing a guy, the Packers one is far worse or more detrimental to this current start. It's not worse. They're not bad picks, but it's, it, um, what do I want to say here? It's detrimental to the starter. I guess you get the current starter. Is this a threat to the starter? Yes or no. Green Bay's is more of that than Jalen Hurts in Philly. That's what I'm thinking about this. So no, I do not. The Eagles pick is not detrimental to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He just is. He threw for 4,000 yards and have a single receiver over 500 yards. You can like Carson Wentz or not. The dude is amazing for what he can do with the limited options that he has and drag the Eagles to the playoffs last year is amazing. Carson Wentz is an absolute beast and very underappreciated by a lot of people outside the NFL world or in the NFL world even because they look at and go Nick Foles won the Super Bowl but if you remember Carson Wentz was the MVP before he got hurt so I'm there's no doubt in my mind Carson Wentz could have gotten the Eagles to the Super Bowl no doubt so I don't think Jalen Hurts is really threatening Carson Wentz's job maybe he is and the Eagles are just doing a massive smoke screen but as it looks right now Jordan Love is more of a threat to Aaron Rodgers' job than Jalen Hurts is to Carson Wentz's job. The Eagles have announced plans. They have said what they're doing. They told Carson Wentz. They have announced that they're going to do a Taysom Hill-style thing here, two-quarterback thing. The Packers have said, this is your replacement. Straight up, this is your replacement. We traded up to get this guy. He is your replacement. So that's what my thinking is behind this whole Aaron Rodgers uh, Jordan Love, T- uh, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz type situation. So it's going to be interesting come next year and the years come in the future with the Packers, with Jordan Love as the starting quarterback. And that being said, there's a lot of teams that don't really need a lot of starting quarterbacks now. 
And the teams that do, we did this on Monday. Teams that do are looking towards the future. So a little bit later, that's why a little bit later, we're going to talk about teams that are going to draft a quarterback and which quarterback could go to said team. But that's not what we're going to do right now. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go over the NFL schedule tomorrow, which is getting released tomorrow. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Go over our way too early uh, predictions for like division winners, division losers, wild card, whatever. It's not my official predictions. We'll do that come in August. So don't think this is what I'm thinking for next season all the way. This is my way too early, two weeks after the draft <laughs> prediction thing, which is never going to be right. So we're, we're going to do the video again like we always do, the hour-long video that we do in August. So stay tuned for that. And we also got to go over this Colin Coward take. So we'll talk about that coming up on the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show here on this beautiful Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. And I was just scrolling through uh, social media just a little bit ago, and a beautiful memory just got jogged right back into my brain. On this date in 1998 was Kerry Woods' 20 strikeout game against the Houston Astros. What a beautiful display here. Beautiful. Beautiful display. It's be- absolutely beautiful strikeout display by Kid K. Now, Kid K, if you know, Kerry Wood did not have a brilliant end to his career, brilliant start to his career. The end of it was kind of, uh, it was all right. It was all right. But this one moment, the 20 strikeout game, young Kerry Wood too. They released a video last year. I think it was of like a documentary type thing. It was, it was, I can't remember how long it was, but it was like a documentary going over Kerry Wood's thoughts during the 20 strikeout game him talking over all the pitches and that was not a bad Astros team either if I remember correctly Biggio was on that team and they had some solid players on those Astros teams some solid play- that was when the Astros were good without cheating if you remember that point in history I know it feels like such a long time ago but that is a true thing the Astros were actually a good team that didn't need to cheat to win wow how amazing is that man that's one of the things I can't look for. I can't wait for the start of the season is to see how many Astros players get plunked on opening day, whenever that is. We haven't heard an official date for Major League Baseball to start things off again. We've heard rumors of June, but we don't know how far that is off because I don't. There was a rumor ten team division as well. Ten team divisions. There was going to be three divisions with 10 teams, just so I can finally figure out how to say it. Central, West, and East. And the Cubs division was pretty pretty solid. But then it had the Tigers and the Royals in it. So that kind of balanced everything out. But it had like the Cardinals, Indians, Reds, uh, White Sox. So all the most hated teams on the north side of Chicago are in this division now. If this is how this is what they proposed, I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Just for this year, it wouldn't be a forever thing, but just for this year. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we get baseball 
to its fullest capacity in either late May or June or at worst July, which would be absolutely terrible. But sometimes you have to do what you got to do. And for those teams that want to go to the World Series, you warm weather teams must really be try. You got to try and win because if it starts in June, we're going to December. You're going to want some dome stays. We're going to need like the Marlins versus um, the Oakland A's in the World Series. <laughs> so we have uh, two warm weather teams. The Marlins have the dome too. So you can just go in there. And I don't think it's ever cold in Oakland. Maybe it is, but to my knowledge, it hasn't been. Or the Astros go back. Astros versus the Diamondbacks. I don't know. Just the warm weather teams are going to want to win. Because if you're a team like the Astros, who not only play in warm weather, but also play in a dome, have to travel up to the north side of Chicago to play the Chicago Cubs in the World Series, that's not going to be very fun. That's always been my dream World Series, though. Cubs versus Astros. And it makes it's kind of funny that we're talking about Kerry Wood striking out 20 guys against the Astros. Because when I was younger, I was, I was just... I was born in November of 97, so... I was about six months old when Carrie Wood, just a, about five days from being officially six months old. And when I was younger, though, like when I would get in like elementary school, middle school age, the Cubs and Astros were undoubtedly unchallenged, the worst teams in the NL Central, sometimes the worst teams in baseball. The only team that kept the Cubs out of last place in the NL Central was the Houston Astros. So the that was the beauty of of having that. So that's why I just want the Cubs and Astros to go to a world series together because they were the two worst teams, in the NL central for years. The Astros had a good peak early, but then it got really, really bad and then started to come back. And now we're to where we are now, but that was like the Cubs only wins of the season. The Cubs would win like 64 games or something. The Astros win 54 or 58 or something like that. Like the Astros were terrible. For a long time in the 2000s. Not not necessarily for their entire history. Because they have won World Series before. And have been to World Series. Obviously. But they were terrible. They were awful. Awful, awful, awful team. So I've just always dreamed of that World Series. But that would suck for the Astros to have to go up to Chicago and play in a World Series. If this thing does get pushed back to December. Because December in Chicago would not be very fun. October in Chicago is not really all that fun. December, whew, <laughs> that's a little, a little chilly. A little chilly in the north side. But then the Cubs go down to Houston, and then that's, that's what they do. Be kind of like the, the Chargers in the 80s, playing in Miami in the hottest, most, what was it, the highest humidity in an NFL game, to going up to Cincinnati to playing in the coldest recorded game in NFL history. Like, you had the two complete opposites of each other. Like, you go from the humid Houston to the freezing cold of the north side. That's a big shock. <laughs> Houston might I don't know if it gets cold in Houston. It's like, it's extremely hot down there anyways. You're right next to the ocean. Or the, the gulf, I guess. But, man, that'd be, that'd be hard to bounce back and forth. Like, you just played two games in Houston. Now we're, dry, now we're flying up to Chicago to freeze our tails off and the ball smacking the glove for the catcher would hurt. <laughs> and the pitchers can't wear gloves. Like, that would just be a terrible game. 
it'd probably be like one nothing score, two to one score in that time. Like it'd just be absolutely terrible. But you know what? At least baseball would be back. So hopefully baseball comes back soon. But yeah, Kerry Wood, 1998. On this date, 1998, 20 strikeouts. His record at the time, which is kind of funny to think about, was two and two. Okay, so he's two and two right now. This is what we were talking about with Kerry Wood and the inconsistencies. Two and two, 5.89 ERA, four starts, 18 in the third innings, 15 hits, 12 walks, 25. He didn't walk anybody. I think that was. I think that's what he said was the biggest. He didn't walk anybody. 12 walks so far in th- not great. So the fact that he didn't get a walk in this one and it kind of the game came out of nowhere too. I like no one was really expecting him to get 20 strikeouts in a game. But he did it. The brilliance of young Kerry Wood. And with that being said, let's just go back in to what we were originally talking about. Love going on little side quests here on the Logan Blackman show. Some we're really we're known for doing this. Doing little side quests here and there. So, let's just go right into our next talking points. We were talking about um, the quarterback situation of next year. We're going to get to that a little bit about teams that are going to draft a quarterback. But, as you know, I've retweeted it. You've probably seen it everywhere if you follow sports. That the schedule for the NFL is getting released tomorrow at, I believe, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So, make sure you watch that. Your team's schedule... Will get released whether you're a Steelers, Bills, Patriots, Packers, Vikings, Bears fan. Your schedule will be released tomorrow. Will it actually be played on time? Don't know. But the NFL has announced they're not doing any international games, which I'm all for. Never been a real fan of the international games. Anyways, the Azteca Stadium down in Mexico City, always a terrible field to play on. And I hate the games over in London. I've never liked the games in London. One, because they're really early in the morning. I mean, not, not really early, like 830 early in the morning and there's no atmosphere i just that talks to the nfl moving a team to london please x that out i do if that happens i will lose my mind so i'm just i'm glad there's no international games so that's always that's a good sign and so now we'll get to see what the team's schedule looks like this year leaked schedules have been popping up all over the place people always coming out with their oh the Tampa bay buccaneers leaked schedule and apparently, the first game for the Buccaneers is a Monday night game against the Atlanta Falcons. So, we'll see if that one actually is true. So, we'll see if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually start the season on Monday night. Which would not surprise anybody, I don't think. That the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady, would have a Monday night game for their first game. That would not surprise anybody. But... Those two teams, of course, as you know, are in the NFC South, which are also with the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. So let's look at, with those teams in that division, I got a picture yesterday. I got a few pictures that I want to go through here on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And last year, looking at division records for each division, obviously, uh, the NFC South finished uh, 500 with the record 32 and 32 between the four teams in the NFC South. If you look at the rest of the NFC, 
the uh, the NFC North finished 34-29-1. The NFC West finished a very impressive 28-25-1 with the Cardinals tying the line, so that's where the tie comes in. With the Seahawks, 49ers, and Rams all being around the playoff spots. 49ers obviously going to the Super Bowl. Seahawks going to the playoffs. Just missing out on the playoffs going 9-7. and Cardinals having a little bit of a struggle year in their first year. Not terrible. They've got... They, I said this all weird, all off season and going back into the fall. Cardinals aren't as far off as people seem. And it's starting to look like more and more as we move closer to the season. The Cardinals might actually be able to make some noise. But that is a very tough division. Some would say the toughest division in all of football. And then the NFC East finished a poultry 24-40 and 40 last season. Look at the AFC records. The AFC East has this record combined at 34-30. and 30. The AFC South finished 32-32. And West 31-33. And, and the AFC North 30-34. and 34. So you just go down by ends. 30, 34, 32, 31-30. Perfect. Perfect result there. So those are your records for the divisions last year. Will they look the same this year? I don't know. There's a lot of... The, the CD got better. If you look at the AFC North, the Steelers are going to get Big Ben back. So that's a big thing for them because their quarterback play last year was not great. You look at the Bengals, got a new quarterback, got another wide receiver in there for Joe Burrow. Offensively, Bengals are looking pretty solid. Defensively, question marks lie in the offensive line as well. The Browns, they can only improve. I can't see them being worse than 6-10 and 10 this year. New head coach, they got new weapons. They improved the offensive line by getting Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills, I don't care if he played right tackle at Alabama. He was a blindside protector, technically, for the Crimson Tide in his time there. So he can slide over to left tackle. Browns will be decent this year. And, of course, the Baltimore Ravens. They went 14-2 and last year. They added pieces on the defensive line. Eric Wolf and Calais Campbell in there. They've improved. They got Patrick Queen in there in the draft as well to replace C.J. Mosley. Ravens are going to be good against. They're tougher. They've seen completely different. Tom Brady is gone. Jarrett Stidham is the guy for the New England Patriots. A lot of their players are gone this offseason, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like you look on the defensive side of the ball, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton are all gone. Then offensively, Gronk's gone. Brady's gone. So you've got all these pieces that are going to be Patriots. And right now, the Buffalo Bills are the current favorites to win the division. Improved roster. And the Jets and Dolphins are improved. The Dolphins are much last year getting help in the offensive line and a guard and a tackle getting running back help and jordan howard and matt Breida, getting your quarterback of the future there as well defense is much improved as well getting byron jones from dallas noah igabinagane from auburn if i said that right that's awesome right then you got kyle maynoy from new england as we mentioned before got shaq lawson from buffalo they're much improved on last year look at the afc south now I don't really know what to think of the AFC South. The Jaguars are projected to be the worst team in the league. The Colts got much better, getting to Forrest Buckner from San Francisco. Got a big wide receiver, Michael Pittman. Got Phillip Rivers in there. They're going to be much better than last year when they finished 7-9. and nine. The Titans finished 9-7 and seven for like the 18th year in a row. So they'll probably finish 9-7 seven, seven again. And the Texans, on paper, not a lot of people know what to think about them. They did get They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. 
But adding in Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks, so we'll see how those two receivers do in Houston. For the AFC West, Chargers just won't go 5-11 and 11 again. They just won't. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, so they're just going to be up there as well. The Broncos got so many weapons on offense this year. Drew Locke, they got Melvin Gordon from the Chargers, still got Phillip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton's still there. Got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in the draft. You got Noah Fant there, and you drafted Drew Locke's uh, tight end from college. You also drafted Michael Ojemudia from Iowa. So you got some pieces on the roster now to make them much improved. And the Raiders, they drafted some good pieces. Got a lot of weapons on the outside. Got Henry Ruggs from Alabama. Got the wide receiver from South Carolina. Lynn Bowden position for the Raiders. So we'll see how they do this year. For the AFC, it just looks better this year. A lot better. Like the Jets, I don't really know who is the worst team except for the Jaguars. Then you look at the NFC, Vikings, much improved. Like it's crazy to think about. They drafted very, very well. They didn't, they used their picks, traded back, and got players they wanted at play. Like their higher picks, like a Jeff Gladney. They were looking at him 25, could get him at 31. Like, they just drafted extremely smart. Packers, exact opposite. Yes, you're building for the future, but you're in win-now mode. Packers are in a win-now mode. The team that they're going to struggle with the most outside of their division is the San Francisco 49ers, who got much better. So, the Packers sitting wide receivers from the draft, drafted a future quarterback and a third-string running back. Chances are this year. I'm not really holding out a lot of hope on paper. Bears don't know what they're going to do. Defense is still there, but I don't know what they're going to do offensively. And the Lions, I just expect them to improve because simple as that. Jeff Okuda will help solve their problems in the secondary as well. NFC East, the Redskins are better on the defensive line. We'll see how Dwayne Haskins does. Something very nice with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Got Andrew Thomas in the draft. Draft UConn as well. Xavier McKinney, my number one safety in the draft, got him in the second round. Solid, starting to build up something. I'm not saying they're going to challenge for the division title, but they're building something. The Eagles, they're still the best team in the division, I think. If everybody stays healthy, I think they can be a very solid team still. And the Cowboys, they'll probably finish 9-7 and seven, regardless of who they have. They drafted CeeDee Lamb, which is a great pick for them, even though they didn't even want a receiver, weren't even looking for one. They had to take him. Had to take him there at number 17. And they still got a lot of talent in their roster. Got Andy Dalton now for a suitable backup behind Dak. Zeke's still there. Amari Cooper signed a monster contract. And now you got CeeDee Lamb to couple with that. Now, offensive line, Travis Frederick's gone. See how Looney does to replace him. So, we'll see how the Cowboys do. They did lose Byron Jones and Robert Quinn. So, that's going to be a big it factor there for the defense. For the NFL. Falcons should be better. They have an offense full of first-rounders. They should definitely be better than they were last year. Hopefully their defense stays consistent and healthy. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Like, that's all I need to say. They got Tom Brady. Saints, they'll probably still win the division again. They're in win-now mode as well. Unlike the Packers, they actually did stuff to help their quarterback for a chance to win now. Got Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason. To couple with Michael Thomas, still got... Alvin Kamara got Latavius Murray. Taysom Hill still there, so you want to get some other action. 
tight end. Drafted Cesar Ruiz to help shore up the offensive line. Looks like he'll slot into either one of the guard spots. They just got better. Saints are in win-now mode and are looking to improve on what they did last year. And the Panthers, they'll probably finish last in the division. They did. They drafted smart by drafting all defense. Their defense was terrible last year. One of their worst defenses they've had is history. So they went out and drafted all defense. So we'll see how the Panthers do next year in the AFC. The NFC West, 49ers went to the and they got better. They got Brandon Ayuk and Javon Kinlaw in the draft and better. So they'll be pushing for a Super Bowl spot as well. The Seahawks, they're there still. Jordan Brooks, they got him in the first round and they'll expect Carson, uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny to come back healthy. Marshawn Lynch is also talking about a possible return to Seattle there. See how the Seahawks do. The Rams, I don't know what the Rams are going to do. They got rid of Todd Gurley. I think they got Cam Akers from Florida State, if I remember correctly. So we'll see how the Rams are going to do this year. Still got Aaron Donald on defense. Got rid of Dante Fowler, who's now in Atlanta. I don't really know what the Rams are going to do. And the Cardinals, they're going to be much improved off of last year. Got DeAndre Hopkins, got Isaiah Simmons there, got Josh Jones in the third round to help show up their tackle spot to partner DJ Humphreys. So they're going to be much improved than they were last year. So that's just what we're looking at for the division, how they're improved on this year. And so that brings up some interesting talking points, especially with the AFC East. I should have talked about the AFC East last because what I'm going to do here is was show on Friday, I think. The YouTube clip popped up on my phone yesterday morning. I was scrolling through YouTube and saw the clip. So I was like, okay, let's watch record predictions over under type thing with the betting odds. Fox Sports bets odds down for what their team what each team's record is going to be and see how they do him say over under or push. For the Bills, nine wins. He said push description of the Bills saying push he said and I quote Jets and Dolphins are considerably better than the Bills considerably better than the Bills but the Bills will win the division by winning nine games Bills will win nine games and win the division yet the Dolphins and Jets are considerably better than the Bills considerably and then he goes on to say that with the Jets and Dolphins record he says the Jets are a 7-8 win team and the Dolphins are on a 7 win team. How is that better than the Bills who won 10 games last year and improved on their roster from last year? How is that? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Consider. So I just took the liberty of doing this. So I went through each position, position group, roster and decided who has the best of what. It was quarterback, running back, fullback, receivers, tight end, O-line, D-line, linebackers, defensive backs, and sp- So if they are considerably better, I should expect to see a lot of Jets and Dolphins on this list. Back Bills. We're going off of Darnold and Fitzpatrick. And even if you want to go off two, he hasn't played a snap in the NFL yet, so I'd still rank him last. So, and right now, Josh has a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. I don't really care. People want to go the Jets had a harder schedule. The Jets had the easiest schedule the second half of the season out of anybody in the NFL, win percentage-wise. It was them and the Browns. So the fact that they won seven games with Sam Darnold, seven and six with Sam Darnold as a starter, 
is not people are making it out to be. That's a disappointing record for the Jets. Now they lose Luke Falk in at quarterback. Trevor Simeon got hurt, broke, snapped his ankle. Throw the he won seven games. Statistically, their record at the end, the teams they played at the end of the season was the second easiest schedule in the end. And they played the Bills backups and barely beat them. So don't sit there and go, oh, they're considering. And Josh Allen got his team to the playoffs with his playmaking. Donald sees ghosts. I don't think I've heard Josh Allen see ghosts at all. Josh Allen in this division. Colin Cowherd just has a lot of confused feelings for Sam Darnold. Uh, running back, I'll give this one to the Jets. I'll give it to the Jets. I will. Um, Bell did have a down year last year, but he's still the best running back in this division. In this division are very close. You got Le'Veon Bell, Devin Single, second year. You got the Dolphins with Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and then you got the Patriots with James. So you got some good running backs in this division. But the Jets, out of just skill talent alone, Le'Veon Bell's the best running back. He had a down year, but that's because he took a year off. I still think if he gets everything going right, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. Complete running backs in the NFL. Fullback, Bills. Jets don't have a fullback. And the Dolphins, I don't know what their fullback is. Bills have veteran Pat DeMarco there who's been in the NFL for a very long time. So he wins that one there. Wide receivers, not even close. Buffalo Bills. That's the far, That's the biggest stretch out of all of them, is wide receivers. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. That's all I need to say. I don't even need to go through the rest of the receiving core. The Jets got Brashad Perriman, congratulations, and got Denzel Mims in the second round. So Denzel... Could be very good, but again, much like two of before, hasn't played a single snap in the NFL yet. So I'm not going to rate can put him in this. They lost Robbie Anderson, but I don't want to hear they got Brashad Perriman and their receiving problems are somehow solved. Perriman's not a great wide receiver. There's a reason he's bounced around the league since getting drafted. There's a reason he ended with Tampa Bay last year. There's a reason they didn't pick him up. Browns didn't pick him up. The Ravens released him, I think. So that's not very impressive. He's got wheels, but that's about it. Dolphin. That's it. They got Albert Wilson there as well, and Alan Hearns. But are we not going to comp- sit here and compare them to Stephon Diggs, John Lee? It's not even comparable, not even close. Uh, tight end, I'll give that to the Dolphins. Gilsecki in the division. Not, even with the Patriots involved, he's the best tight end in the division. Austin Knox has potential. I think Chris Herndon from the Jets has potential as well, but tied in the division. It's not it's not really close. Even including the Patriots. It's not really close. Off to lines, Bills. Bills don't even have a good off to line. I think on 33% of his dropbacks or something like that. Good, but it's better than the Jets and Dolphins. Who did improve their off to line? Dolphins. Was terrible because of their own doing by trading away and letting people walk in free agency. But they drafted good people. Austin Jackson in the first round. Getting Hunt in the second round. Good pickups there. Jets got Mackay Becton. Good zone run blocker. So to help out Le'Veon Bell and also protect out Sam Darnold's blinds. But still, the Bills offensive line is still better. 
Quinn Spain, I don't think allowed to all last year. Mitch Morse is one of the, if not the best center in the NFL. Deion Dawkins is a very good left tackle. I think the right side could get a little Cody Ford, John Feliciano, Darrell Williams all there. And even the rookie from Washington, whose name for some reason is escaping me right now. Bills offensive line better. It's not even that good. Divas line, Bills. If this was last year, I might have to think about it a little more. This year, no. Bills added so many good pieces on the defensive line to make this a better defensive line. Oh, we have Quinn and Williams. Dolphins go, oh, we have Christian Wilkins. Ed Oliver, it, first off, Quinn and Williams is the worst out of the three, and he was drafted the highest. And then I would pass rushing abilities. For run blocking, or run stopping, I would take Christian Wilkins. Pass rushing, I'm taking Ed Oliver. Yeah, and that Mario Addison you got in free agency, drafted as well. Got Quentin Jefferson in there as well. Bills added a lot on the defense line. It's the best out of these teams in this division. Not even, I would, I'll throw in the Patriots as well. Teams, they're the best defensive line. Linebackers, Bills. Got Kyle Van Noy, Jets got CJ Mosley. But outside of those two, I can't think of off the top of my head who they have at linebacker. Bills got Matt Milano, who led the league last year, or two years ago before he got hurt. Before he broke his ankle. You have Tremaine Edmonds, who made the Pro Bowl last year, is only 22 years old, just turned 22 years old, just turned 21. Can't remember. And they got AJ Klein in there as well. Who's not, like the Bills' core of linebackers is better than those two. You might have individual linebackers that are better, but as the full unit, the Bills' one's better. Defensive backs, like, do we even need to have this conversation? Yeah. Yes, Jamal Adams is good. You got Byron Jones, Miami. Congratulations. But defensive backfield, Trey White is a top two corner in this league. You got the best safety pairing in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. I don't care about the other side of the cornerbacks because Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, whoever you want, not great options. But Trey White, along with Stephon Gilmore, are the two best cornerbacks in the NFL. The best safety pairing in the NFL is that of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. You can throw at me Byron Jones. You can throw at me Javon or Jamal Adams. I don't care. Just because you're the highest paid doesn't mean you're the best when, in Byron Jones's case. So Washington didn't try to sign him to a monster contract. But, yeah, the Bills defensive bat, that one's not close. Special teams, Bills. Steven Hauschka is better than the two kickers they got. And even if, so he's probably not even going to make the roster this year. He's probably going to get cut because the Bills drafted Bass in, I think, the sixth round. He made a 50-yard field goal standing there. Vedvik is a very talented. He's got an absolute cannon for a leg for a punter. And Bjorkes is better than both the punters they have. And the Dolphins, his, their punter might be from Des Moines and might have had a sweet two-point conversion, but I don't care. Returners as well. Albert Rob, or Andre Roberts is a better returner than both. I don't even think the Jets have a returner listed on their roster because they let go of Andre Roberts, who made the Pro Bowl the season before, which was a tip. Head coach. We'll even do head coach. Sean McDermott. Bills. Easy. GM. Brandon Bean. Bills. Easy. So, like, if we go through this thing, you're going to sit here and tell me, Collins, and Dolphins are considerably better. Well, then why are we only seeing the Jets and Dolphins on one of these things each? 
Quarterback, Bills. Running back, Jets. Receiver, Bills. Tight end, Dolphins. O-line, Bills. D-line, Bills. Linebackers, Bills. Defense backs, Bills. Special teams, Bills. Head coach, Bills. GM, Bills. Like, it's considerable. You could just said better. Considerably better. Bills aren't sneaking up on anybody. They don't need to sneak up on anybody. You knew going into that last season they were going to be a good. I had them winning nine games. They didn't sneak up on anybody. They won ten. That's not really sneaking up. And they benched their starters for the last game, so they really could have won eleven. This team will not finish this year. I cannot first. I cannot see that happening. That's not sneaking up. If you thought the Bills, if you're one of those idiots that thought the Bills would win four games last year, then yeah, I consider you being up on us. They did not. All you have to do is have somewhat of a brain and realize, wait a minute, the Bills are going to, they won five games last year with a rookie quarterback who was considered the biggest project in the draft while playing Nathan Peterman and Derek Anderson. They're going to be much worse when they added the entire new offensive line, got whole new wide receivers. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I like your logic. So if you thought the Bills were last year or less than what they did their first year with Josh Allen, you're just an idiot. I'm sorry. They didn't really sneak up on anybody if you had a brain, which I can say that for myself as well, because if you had a brain, you would realize the Patriots wouldn't have traded up for a quarterback. So I can make fun of myself in this situation as well considerably better that doesn't make any sense because if they were considerably better i would see the jets and dolphins taking over a lot of this picture here what i'm looking at right now of top three defense in the league last year dolphins had one of the worst defense in the league last year much improved but as a unit we don't know how good they're going to be i'm going off of last year and we're looking at on paper what they had even in dallas byron jones with the cowboys did not have a great defense last year they missed the playoffs last year a very good corner. So I'm not saying anything against Byron Jones. Jamal Adams. Safety. One of the best in the NFL. If not the best safety in the NFL. Our units. Bills have the be- the, the third in the league last year. They added Stephon Diggs on offense. Stephon Diggs trumps every- Like that makes their offense so much better. Because last year, they had Isaiah McKenzie running as the third wide receiver. Robert Foster, Duke Williams. I bet none of you haven't even heard of those guys before. Then you got Stephon Diggs in there, who's one of the best route runners in the NFL. Brown and the underneath route running ability of Cole Beasley. Come on. They're not sneaking up on anybody because they didn't sneak up on anybody last year. About it like, oh, wow, this team is much improved on the year before. Didn't sneak up on anybody. If you just looked at it on paper and go, "Wow, this team!" If you look at the roster from the year before, Benjamin Zay Jones as their number one and two wide receivers to John Brown and Cole Beasley, wow, that's all you really need to look at. Whatever. I've ranted enough about that on my radio show to last me a lifetime. So, but yeah, considerably better, considerably better. But yeah, we're gonna say the Bills win the division still. I got that. You know how little sense that makes? That makes, that makes no sense. You can even try to make that little sense. But, you know, that's whatever. We'll look towards next year and see how the Jets and Dolphins beat up on the Bills since they are, in fact, considerably better.
I like Colin Coward. I have no beef with Colin Coward other than the fake idea college football thing, which was just every Iowa fan. But he took that off of them. He doesn't bring that up anymore. He's fun to listen to. They can be really stubborn, sometimes brings up really stupid points like this one. But, you know, we all do that. Especially if you're in the radio business, you bring up a stupid point all the time. I've done that more often than I'm proud of. You can go listen back to the old Logan Blackman show and think of that. But with that being said, let's take a quick little break here. I gotta go to the bathroom really, really bad. I've been drinking Sprite. Not sponsored, but Sprite. If you want to sponsor the show, I would very much appreciate that. And when we come back, we're going to go over division winners predictions for now in May. Might change come August, but for May, this is my division winners and division losers. Then we'll wrap up the show talking about which teams could draft a quarterback in the 2021 draft and which quarterbacks could go to said teams. So that being said, let's take a quick break and we'll be back really soon. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to this last half hour of the Logan Blackman Show. We took a quick break, took a quick little potty break, but now we are back here in the basement in my comfy rocking chair here in the office of my house here at Urbandale, Iowa. It's starting to get a little sunnier outside as I glance out the window. Clouds are starting to break away. Sun's starting to break out, and I am still in my sweatshirt and my shorts from when I first woke up today. It's 11.16, so we're hoping to get this show out before 1 o'clock. Looks like it, it could happen. Could happen. Depends on SoundCloud. SoundCloud's the one that really is the pain in the butt because that's the one that kind of takes forever. That could take like an hour or two to get that stupid thing uploaded. But Spotify's decently quick comparatively. So, I don't know. We'll hope to push this out toward 1 o'clock. If it's not, then uh, we're in trouble. We'll have to wait and see, though, because, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see, because I want I want this show to come out on time. Like, when I was doing it up at UNI, I would do a show, upload the audio, and get it out like that shortly after the show. It was like right away. I didn't have to wait super long to post a tweet. Now it just frustrates me. How I'm sitting around waiting for this stupid thing to upload and it just doesn't upload. I absolutely hate it. But hopefully today is different than all the other days that we've had to deal with this and we just go through super smoothly. So as I said, it's the last half hour of the show for this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Go back and listen to all the older shows as well on Spotify and SoundCloud. If you haven't listened to those, I would really recommend it and I would really appreciate it. If you did, go look at the spot of the SoundCloud account. That one doesn't get used as much as the Spotify account since everybody has Spotify. There's very rare people that don't have Spotify. So I'd greatly appreciate it if you went back and listened to some of the older shows. But for right now, stay tuned on this show because we got a little bit more stuff to talk about before we wrap up today. So as I said before we took our last break, that we're going to be looking at each division and talk about which teams I think will win the division while they'll win the division. And yeah, and who will lose. And then we'll go over and look at teams that could possibly draft one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft. If you haven't listened to the older shows, or like a, it was a couple shows ago, I think, or maybe it was on Monday. Monday or Friday, I can't remember where I did this, but I ranked my top five quarterbacks for next year's draft and I put them off in tiers. Tier one, 
is very far above tier two. That is Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields could be rotated. Both are very good quarterbacks. Trey Lance just doesn't get talked about as much because he plays for North Dakota State. And right now, I believe Justin Fields is the favorite to win the Heisman. So, yeah, that's what we're looking at right now for Logan Bible Show. We'll talk about where those quarterbacks could possibly land, which quarterbacks, which teams could take quarterbacks in next year's draft. But right now, let's just go over my very early, my way too early winners and loser predictions for each division. Again, the schedule gets released tomorrow. We could have probably done this in better detail on Friday, but I wanted to do it today. So we're going to go over this. Just a schedule Eve, schedule release Eve, I guess. So for each division, North, South, East, West, AFC, NFC, we even got some wild card teams in there for the teams we don't think will come in last or first their division. So the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens. They got better than last season. On paper, their roster is better than that was last year. They got another linebacker to replace C.J. Mosley and Patrick Queen. They got help on the defensive line of Clias Campbell and Derek Wolf from Denver. Secondary, still one of the best in football. Lamar, coming off the second ever unanimous MVP season in NFL history. Still got Mark Ingram there. You drafted J.K. Dobbins there as well. So you got a one-two punch there in the backfield. You still got your stud tight end and Mark Andrews. You trade away Hayden Hurst, but Mark Andrews is way better. Arguably, what? Where would you rank Andrews? He's a top five tight end at least. He might be a top three tight end. And you got some decent weapons on the outside. Hopefully, Marquise Brown stays healthy for a full season. That'd be the goal there. You want Marquise Brown to stay healthy. He adds a different threat that not all the not any of your other receivers really have. But they got better. They lost Marshall Yonda, which is a big loss on the offensive line. We'll see how the NFL does to how they react to the running offense that the Ravens have. Because the NFL is a very fast learning league. So we'll see how they do next year. If the Ravens are as good, if better, or if they're a little bit worse than they were last year. Right now, I think their line or their projected win win total is eleven and a half. So we'll see how they do going into next year. But they'll still win the division regardless. Now the division is better. Steelers are better. The Browns are better. Even the Bengals are better. But one of them has to come last, and I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Their defense is still a big question mark in the offensive line is still not great. I like their weapons on the outside and their running attack. I love Joe Burrow. Greatest season in college football history at the quarterback position last year. You got great weapons on the outside. A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, add T. Higgins into that. Now you got, then you got Joe Mixon in the backfield. Giovanni Bernard still there to add a receiving threat. Now you got Joe Burrow. Jonah Williams will be coming back as well. Played left tackle for the Bengals next year. So the Bengals offensively are looking very solid. Defensively, still a big question mark, but they will not win only two games this year. I bet they could push the six-win mark for next year. Maybe seven, which is a massive improvement from last year. I think the Browns and Steelers will both be better than that, but that's, the Bengals will still have a decent season next year because they got good pieces. At least that's what I believe, but I still think they will come last. The AFC South, Indianapolis Colts win the division. Uh, Phillip Rivers comes in. You got Michael Pittman again, a big wide receiver to help partner uh, T.Y. Hilton. You got DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers. One of your biggest needs was interior defensive linemen. 
So you got positions of need and got improvements on those positions of need. So I think the Colts win this division there. Last place, Jacksonville. They are the early favorites to be the worst team in the league. They're projected to win four wins or win four games. So they're they're just not a good team. They're losing everybody on defense. They're trying to replace people that they either traded or released or just lost in free agency. They got C.J. Henderson, which I really like, a really athletic corner. Beer Jalen Ramsey replacement. You got Josh Allen last year at the seventh pick. You got Clavon Chison there as well to be your edge rusher replacing Gakwe. So you're starting to build some things back. Now, you lost Telvin Smith for reasons we're not going to discuss on this show. But you're looking, you're not good, but you're slowly kind of starting to, I don't know. I'm not even going to try and act like it's a pretty situation. Jacksonville's not going to be good. They're tanking on purpose. Gardner, I like you, but you're destined to be Trevor Lawrence's backup next year. I'm sorry, but I think they got their mindset on that, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. Unless you absolutely ball out this year, Gardner, I cannot see, I cannot foresee a future with you as the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have to throw for 4,000 yards, pass for 40 touchdowns, and throw less than 10 interceptions, I think, to have a shot at the starting job next year. But hey, if you do ball out, their offensive line is still garbage, so you could go after a Penn A. Sewell as well from Oregon, so you can do that as well. It will be a top two pick in this draft as like J- Trevor Lawrence. So, But yeah, Jacksonville is going to be the worst team in this division. AFC East, Buffalo Bills win the division. Finally, after 20 years, the Bills finally win over 20 years. The Bills finally get a division title and have the chance to host a playoff game in Orchard Park, New York at New Era Field, which will be absolutely insane. The Bills will win this division. I'm very comfortable in saying that. I think they win more than nine games, and I think they win the division. I think the Patriots push them a little bit, but the Bills still win the division. Last place, um, that's where it gets tough. I'm comfortable saying the Bills win it, but I don't know who will come last between the Jets and Dolphins. I'm going to say the Dolphins, not because I think they're that bad, which they're, they're bad, but I just think they're they're less bad, than, or they're more bad than the Jets, I guess. And the Patriots come in second. I'm just stuck with between the Jets and Dolphins, who are, in fact, considerably better than the Buffalo Bills to finish last in the division. I think the Bulls have decent season. I think it's kind of a situation with the Bengals where, like, this, the teams that are above them are just that much better. I could see them winning seven games this year, but still coming last. I, it's between them and the Jets, I think, for last. But I don't know. The Patriots might surprisingly come in last. AFC West, uh, much like AFC North, this is very easy. The Kansas City Chiefs win it. Just simple. Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl last year. They're going to win the division again. I do not see a future with the Chargers losing 11 games and winning only five this year. I do not see that. I bet they win around nine games this year, the Chargers. I bet they go nine and seven, especially with Tyrod Taylor starting. But they're not going to come last in the division. I think last place is the Raiders. I think the Broncos are too much improved from last season, especially with all the weapons they added on offense. And got some weapons on defense as well. You lost Chris Harris, but you got A.J. Bouye and got Michael Ojemudia from Iowa in the third round. 
You got a ton of weapons outside and in the backfield for Drew Locke to work with. The Broncos are going to be a decent team and might actually be pushing the Chargers for second place in the division. But the Raiders, I just think they're worse than the Broncos. I don't, I don't, I think the Raiders will come last. I bet they win six games this year, six or seven games, maybe probably seven, but maybe eight, maybe push eight, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm yeah, I, it's hard. The AFC so hard to predict who's going to come in last because you look at the AFC North, the Bengals are going to be much improved from last year. They're not going to win only two games this year. I bet they win seven, six or seven games for the Bengals. So they're going to be pushing it. Maybe the Browns somehow come last there, but they're not going to be like any two and 14 or three and 13 or one and 15 teams this year that I think maybe the Jaguars do that. But I think the Jaguars can win four games, maybe three or three or four games next year. But even four losses, four wins isn't like historically bad. It's terrible, but not usually that doesn't get you a first or overall pick, but this year it might actually do that. Raiders might win seven games, might win eight games. Dolphins might win six, seven games. So it's just hard to predict that, but wildcard teams for the AFC, I think the Chargers could be pushing a wildcard spot. They're not going to win only five games this year. This team's too good to win only five games. They're one of the biggest. It's just a typical Chargers thing. Just losing games that they shouldn't lose and just got hurt all over the place. I don't think that happens this year. Steelers got Big Ben back. They should be pushing for a spot. The Titans went to the AFC Championship game last year, carried on the shoulders of Derrick Henry. So will they go back to the playoffs? We'll have to wait and see. The Texans, they're going to be pushing there as well. They're not as good as they were last year, but they could still be pushing for a playoff spot. The division they were in last year was just terrible. Tennessee always finishes 9-7. and seven. The Colts, they were good at the start of the year and then completely fell apart in the second half of the season. So the Texans will have a little bit more of a challenge with the Colts this year than they did last year. And the last team, the Denver Broncos, again, they got a lot of weapons for Drew Locke to work with on the outside. We've already talked about them. I'm not going to repeat them again. And they've got some decent pieces on defense as well. So they might actually be pushing for a playoff spot. It's going to be weird seeing the Broncos back in the playoffs, but they've got the talent to do so. They do. So let's go recap of that. AFC North, Ravens win, Bengals last. AFC South, Colts win, Jaguars finish last. AFC East, Bills win it, Dolphins come last. In the AFC West, Chiefs win, Raiders come in last. Now again, this is my May predictions. They could very well change come August when I do my official predictions. This is what I'm just doing right now. NFC, the North, the Vikings. I think the Vikings are, they're a good team. The Minnesota Vikings are a good team. Second half of the season, Kirk Cousins turned it on, and you got a very good wide receiver in Justin Jefferson to pair with Adam Thielen. You got Irv Smith Jr. there. You got Mason Rudolph, or Mason Rudolph, no, Kyle Rudolph (laughs) at tight end. You got Dalvin Cook still there. Hopefully he stays healthy. You got Ezra Cleveland from Boise State in the second round. Jeff Gladney at corner will help solve one of your quarter cornerback spots. I still think the Vikings can win this division. I think they'll be close to the Packers. They might tie. So we'll have to see how the pairings do. I just don't think the Packers did enough to win now, unless they have that much confidence in their current roster to keep on winning. But 
I bet the Packers win about 10, 11 games this year. I think the Vikings win about 11 games as well, 10 or 11 games too. So they'll be close. And then last place, I think it's going to be the Bears. Bears or Lions. I think the top two are the Packers and Vikings, and I think there's a big stretch between the Bears and Lions. Bears quarterback situation is not great. I think they're going to be going after a quarterback in this next draft. Whether it be Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Jamie Newman from Georgia, I think they're going to look at a quarterback in this draft. And take Trubisky's option. Their off the line still stinks. You got some decent weapons on the outside. Got Jimmy Graham, Kyle, uh, Cole Komet from Notre Dame. You got Jalen Johnson at corner. So wait, do I really think the Lions will beat? No, I'm going to change that. Lions come. Ah, it's. Ugh. I don't know. We're going to put a tie there. I can't choose between the Bears and Lions because the Lions defense sucks. But I think their offense is better than the Bears. Bears defense is a thousand times better than the Lions. But I think their offense is worse than the Lions. So that's where I'm confused here. So we'll, we'll, we'll put an asterisk by that one because I don't really know. NFC South, Saints win it. I get Tom Brady's there. But the Saints are still the kings of the NFC South. I think they'll be pushed more by Tampa Bay. But I think the Saints will still win the division. And then the Carolina Panthers come last. I think that one's pretty obvious. Um, yeah. They built, through, they built their defense through the draft this year. So hopefully their defense will be a little bit better for their fans' sake. Still got Christian McCaffrey. Maybe they pushed the Falcons for the last place spot, but I think the Panthers got that one for last place. Uh, the NFC East, the, I think the Eagles win it, and I think the Redskins come in last. Redskins and Giants can flip-flop that. Cowboys and Eagles can flip-flop first. I just think the Eagles... they The Eagles made the playoffs last year with basically no one doing anything. They played with backup players and practice squad players and made the playoffs. Now they're going into a season healthy, or healthier, and see how they do going into the season. They did lose Jordan Howard to Miami. We'll see how that Miles Sanders does up there. But I just think overall, they've got a better... See, uh, it's just close, because the do- neither one of their defenses are spectacular. I think that it's going to be close, but I'm going to give the Eagles the edge on that one. Redskins, um... Uh, I think they have more question marks on offense than the Giants do. And I think the Giants overall are just better than the Redskins. I don't think it's very close. I think it's close, but I'm going to give the Giants the edge over Washington. And then the NFC West, uh, the 49ers win it. They went to the Super Bowl last year. I think the Seahawks could push them, but the 49ers are better than what they were last year. Got Brandon Ayuk, got Javon Kinlock, got Trent Williams. So they're going to be better than what they were last year. And last place, I think it's honestly between the Rams and Cardinals. I think the Cardinals could actually push the Rams, which is crazy to think about. But I think the Cardinals could actually push the Rams. But I'm going to have the Cardinals here. I'm going to have them finishing one game below the Rams. And that's not saying the Rams will be bad. I think the Cardinals are just going to be that decent. (laughs) So that's my position there. But I think they could actually push them. Wild card, the Buccaneers. Obviously, got Tom Brady, Gronk, got weapons for days on the outside. I think they make the playoffs, but just go to the wild card. The Seahawks, again, I think that's a fairly obvious one. There, they're a very talented team. Chris Carson and um, Rashad Penny will be back and healthy, so you would think they'll be back and better next year. And Dallas will be pushing there as well. Same with Green Bay. Can't forget about Green Bay, but I don't know. Aaron Rodgers had to do a lot. They didn't replace... I don't know if they replaced Brian Belaga or anything. So, I don't know what will happen there. Green Bay is just a big question mark for me. Same thing like they were last year. 
I am winning nine games last year, and I think they were closer to nine wins than they should have been to 13. So we'll see how the Packers do in the second year of Matt LeFleur's era or reign as head coach. To recap of the NFC, NFC North Vikings, uh, last place, Bears and Lions. Again, asterisk there. NFC South, Saints win it, Panthers come last. NFC East, Eagles win, Redskins come last. NFC West, 49ers win. Cardinals come last, Wild Cards, Bucks, Seahawks, Cowboys, Packers, Rams, Cardinals even. You can throw them all in there, and we'll see what they do for the playoffs next year. So that is what we think in May, what the playoffs could possibly look like, or what each division could look like. We'll have a better, way better idea come August than we do right now sitting here on May 6th. Just obvious. You always have more of a idea of something once it gets closer to the actual thing instead of being like you know i don't i don't know actually (laughs) i really don't know so with that being said with those teams coming in last place in the division let's go over the Bengals, jags dolphins raiders bears or lions panthers redskins and cardinals which of those teams because obviously if you're one of the worst teams in the league there's an obvious need or an obvious thought that you would be looking at a quarterback for next year's draft so out of those teams who will or could draft a quarterback come next year here are some of the teams that i have listed on here the jacksonville jaguars they're obviously looking for a quarterback and it's pretty obvious right now that's trevor lawrence it could change it could very well change but as of right now as we sit here in may trevor lawrence looks to be the guy the Jacksonville Jaguars are wanting there at number one next year. I think they're going to finish last in the league. I think they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, number one overall, to be the new face of the franchise. And hopefully they don't ruin him like they did to Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert. Hopefully he's like Mark Brunel and brings the team back to some level of notoriety. I love Mark Brunel, so I it's not a slight. I love myself some Mark Brunel. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence looks to be the obvious pick there. Carolina, Steve Smith called, if you don't know Steve Smith, legendary wide receiver of the Panthers, arguably their greatest player of all time, said that Teddy Bridgewater is a right-now quarterback. He's not a win-now quarterback. He's a right-now quarterback. So we'll see how he does going into this year. But next year, I think they look after a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. That's just what my gut is telling me. And... Not again, I've said this a thousand times. A lot of people are just gonna go over Trey Lance and go like, oh man, he can't. Why are you talking about him over these guys? Trey Lance is an absolute beast. He threw no picks last year, and in an under center style offense where they run with a fullback, he rushed for a thousand yards, won a national championship, and I'm pretty sure was named the Walter Payton player of the year. But I could be wrong. He is the best player in the FCS, whether regardless if he won the award or not. Redshirt freshman dominated 2,800 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, 28 touchdowns, zero picks, and the number one ranked team in the nation. Trey Lance is an absolute beast. It doesn't get talked about. Very similar skill set to that of Justin Fields, but I think Trey Lance is a better passer than Justin Fields. So we'll have to see which quarterback they feel would fall or fit best with the Carolina Panther system, because they both could fit it. Both could fit it very well. 
I don't know who I would go with there. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be sitting there going like, oh, it's obviously Justin Fields. He's the Heisman favorite going into this year. How can he not be? Why would he not be taking over somebody from FCS school, North Dakota State? He's still a beast. Trey Lance is a beast. Just go watch some Trey Lance highlights and you'll go, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Or just go watch Trey Lance film. If you don't want to watch highlights, go, ooh, that only shows good plays. It doesn't show the bad plays. Well, then go watch his film. I don't really care what you do. Just go learn yourself up on some Trey Lance. Chicago Bears are another team here. They're declining Mitch Trubisky's option. They're not going to ride with Nick Foles into the sunset as we sit here on May 6th. That could change if Nick Foles proves to be a beast of a quarterback in Chicago. They might want to just go for him all the time. But as we sit here in May, and what we know about Nick Foles, about being a very good situational quarterback, not very good full-time starting quarterback, they're gonna look, the Bears are going to look for a quarterback next year. And they'll take whoever the Carolina Panthers don't take, whether it be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Whichever one. They'll take whichever one they want there. Both play in cold weather stadiums. Both play in cold weather conferences. So they can, they're used to the cold. Justin Fields plays for Ohio State. Plays Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State. Like He plays all these cold environments. Minnesota. Trey Lance. Coldest con- one of the coldest conferences in the FCS. Best conference overall in the FCS. The Missouri Valley Football Conference. Go to places like South Dakota State. Illinois State. Youngstown State. Southern Illinois, like you go to all these cold weather places. I've noticed I didn't mention South Dakota or North Dakota or you and I, because they all play in domes. All those stadiums I mentioned are outside stadiums. So they're both used to the cold weather. That won't affect them at all. Which one will play best there? Whatever you want. I think the Bears would fit best with Trey Lance. So with that being said, let's go with Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars. Justin Fields going to the Panthers. Trey Lance going to the Bears. Got it? Good. But, or you can flip around. Trey Lance, I think, is on par with Justin Fields. I think they're all on par. I think Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are all up there. I think Trevor Lawrence ranks above them because of his size and arm talent. Justin Fields is a great playmaker, but arm talent-wise, he's not up there with Trevor Lawrence. You make good plays. Justin Fields is one of the best playmakers in college football. But arm strength-wise, Trevor Lawrence reigns supreme over all of them. Trey Lance is very similar to that of Justin Fields. I think he has a better arm than Justin Fields. But mobility-wise and playmaking ability-wise, they're very similar. But arm strength, I would give that to Trey Lance. So whichever one Panthers don't draft, the Bears will take the next one. Now teams that might draft a quarterback, look at the Falcons. If they're up there, like in the top 10, they look at them for they want to trade up for somebody. Justin Fields is from Georgia, played at Georgia for a year before transferring to Ohio State. So they might be looking for an in-state guy to eventually take the reins from Matt Ryan, or they want to go Jamie Newman, who's currently the quarterback of Georgia, get him to replace Matt Ryan eventually. I'm not saying Matt Ryan needs to be done, but get a guy for the future for the Falcons. The Patriots... A lot of talks of them going after Trevor Lawrence. But if the Packers are really thinking about tr- tr- Jordan Love as the guy next year, I bet Rodgers goes to the Patriots. That's my that was that's my bet is Aaron Rodgers goes to the New England Patriots and Jordan Love goes to the Packers. I don't think the Patriots will be bad enough to move up to get Trevor Lawrence. So that's my gut feeling about that. I don't think they'll be that bad to get Trevor Lawrence. 
I think that's who they want, but they're not going to be that bad. They're going to be not great. They're going to be great, but I bet they go after Aaron Rodgers next year. Is what my gut feeling says if the Packers really want to move on from Rodgers after this year. Pittsburgh Steelers could look at a quarterback. Jamie Newman, I could see fitting well in Pittsburgh. Same with Trey Lance. I think they could fit well there. Trey Lance won't be available by the time the Pittsburgh Steelers pick, though. So that's the thing that's going to be there. Pittsburgh, their quarterbacks behind Big Ben are not great. With Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges. They're not great quarterback. We saw them play last year. They're not great options. So they'll be looking at a quarterback next year. And then the New Orleans Saints are an intriguing one because they just signed Jameis Winston and they got Taysom Hill. I saw a mock draft today that had Jamie Newman going to the New Orleans Saints. So would the Saint if if the Saints really like Taysom Hill and they really think Taysom Hill is the future, they're not going to draft a quarterback. Taysom Hill will go into the next season being the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. That is what's going to happen. That is what it looks like on paper. That looks like what's going to happen. Or Jameis Winston, whichever one they want to use. So the drafting a quarterback possibility is probably not really that realistic. But you have to talk about them because Drew Brees is retiring. But if they want to go Taysom Hill, they'll go Taysom Hill. And that's what it looks like they're doing. According to a lot of people, the Saints are going to move with Taysom Hill as the franchise guy after Brees retires. Will he be around as long as Drew Brees? I don't know. Drew Brees is, I think, 43 years old, 44 years old, 42. I don't know how old he is. Taysom Hill's 30. Will he be playing the starting quarterback at the Saints for 13 more years? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. He's got skills, but if he reverts back to his BYU days and gets injured, then that's where we're going to have start having the problems here. So there's a possibility, but I think borderline guaranteed Jacksonville, Carolina, and Chicago will be looking at quarterbacks in the first round. Borderline guaranteed that's going to happen. And I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and whatever order you want them in, those are going to be the quarterbacks that find, those are their homes for those quarterbacks. Whichever one you want, they're going to play for those teams. I believe. That's what my gut feeling is telling me. Lance, Lawrence, Fields. Chicago, Carolina, Jacksonville. Wherever you want them, that's where those players will play next year. If I had to put money on it, that's what I would bet right here and now on May 6th. Again, this could change by the time we reach April 6th of next year because then there will be a less than a month till the draft. So then I'll, my opinion might more than likely will change. But as we stand right now, yeah, those are my picks for those quarterbacks. For next, I was thinking about doing a full-blown mock draft, but that takes too much. I haven't done any work on anybody going into this draft. So I really have no idea other than like the top 10 players. I know the quarterbacks. I know Jamar Chase. I know Jalen Wild, Devontae Smith, the Clemson court, Justin Ross, Patrick Sertan, uh, Sewell, Miami. Andrew. I, I know people in the draft, but I have I'm not well versed enough to make a full blown mock draft. So we're just going to be focused on the quarterbacks until the season's over. It's too early to do mock draft anyways, because it's not going to be right. You can make ideas like you know Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. You have an idea that Sewell is going to go in the top two or three. Jamar Chase is going to go in the top five. You have ideas, but nothing nailed down yet where you can actually make a flow-blown mock draft and feel comfortable and confident in your predictions going into next year's draft, which again takes place on April 29th through May 1st. 
which will be a lot of fun. You have some good quarterbacks coming off the board next year. With that being said, that's all I've got for you on this Wednesday edition of Oh jeez. <laughs> this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman show on the Basement Pod. Jeez. We're all gassy. We got some burps coming up. We got some the sprites coming up, I guess. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Make sure you tune in on Friday. We'll have more great content here on the Logan Blackman show. Thank you for listening. If you did listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever, go follow the Logan Blackman show social media accounts at the underscore LB underscore show is the show's Twitter account at Logan underscore Blackman's my personal Twitter account. Go like the Facebook page, search Logan Blackman show on Facebook. Give it a like. We're almost at a hundred likes, 98 likes is what we're on right now. Give it a couple more likes and we'll keep moving on. And then go follow the Instagram page if you want. I really don't care if you follow the Instagram page. It's just the the Facebook and Twitter things are the ones I care about the most. So go follow those accounts. Please, go like it. Go follow the SoundCloud. Go follow the Spotify. Listen on both. And that is all I'm going to say for you today. Again, I will see you on Friday. Peace.